Welcome to Ocean Stories, a podcast hosted by me, Lydia Carey, and me, Sarah Hurstbing. We may not be marine experts or even professional scuba divers, but we are curious about the ocean and ways to protect it. Every week, we chat with conservationists, researchers, business owners, and anyone else with an ocean story to tell. So whether you're a scientist or someone who's simply curious about the big blue, you're in the right spot. We can't save the seas alone, but we can do it together. Welcome back. I love the singing. Good afternoon. Good morning. (laughs) Good night. Good day. Guess what? (laughs) We are... We're in the same spot. Are we in the same room? No, we aren't. But one day in the Not in the same house. I'm actually pretty sick. Um, Just made it through my incredible birthday party and then got sick on the last hours of the festive. So I'm actually kind of happy. We went to karaoke. Lydia was there too. It just doesn't make sense that we are now in the same spot for everyone who's not tuned in before. I met my internet girlfriend my internet work wife (laughs) yeah we have never met in person we have worked together for over two years and last week was our official reunion and it was wonderful day one we went what did we do we walked around i mean we did a lot (laughs) the most precious places in san diego we actually went swimming and saw seals pop up right next to us my mom was also there (laughs) yeah lydia's mom was there we i went on sunset surf and Lydia was there watched me and dolphins popped up like I'm telling you San Diego just did everything San Diego could it do it welcomed me with open arms it was just the most perfect sunny beautiful January day yeah it was amazing um yeah and then we had a little birthday bash and we sang karaoke and it was really fun. I sang um, unwritten because the rest is still unwritten it's a new chapter it's a new so dawn it's a new day true that is so true I sang so many songs. There was no, there was definitely absolutely no meaning behind any of them. Well, one crazy thing that has happened in this week that I want to talk about is how in the world of 2024 and how in the world, what am I talking about? How in the universe have we only now recorded a baby great white shark on camera? That's one of those things that just confuses me so much that I just kind of turn my head the other direction because it just boggles my mind too much. Some So apparently there was two researchers in Santa Barbara, California, about four hours north of where we are, five hours north. Um, and they were just flying the little drone and they saw two great white sharks and they looked all pregnant. And they were floating around and they were just flying, flying the drone. And then one of the sharks kind of dove deeper and all of a sudden a baby great white popped out out of nowhere. So they're thinking, like, obviously there's no confirmation for this, but they're thinking that this baby shark was literally born right then and there and then just popped out and they caught it on camera. What's they so confusing ca- to me, I saw, is that scientists, like, don't know any well, don't know anything that's not fair, that they know very little about the reproductive process of great white sharks. How is that possible? And about a a (laughs) bunch of other sharks too. I think it's like, same with whale sharks. This is like interesting half knowledge again, once again here on the podcast, but I think the same with whale sharks. And it's just so crazy because once again, we can go to space, but then we don't know a lot about the deep sea. And a lot of these animals are just like, oh, you know, I'm gonna just 
dive a little deeper and do all my shenanigans down here and then nobody knows I mean no human knows what the hell is going on down there because we can't it's so so hard to track them like you would actually have to follow them down like they're just they're just disappearing it's crazy the ocean is so crazy you know they're just like bye bye I think we'll have to get someone on to talk about this because in my brain I'm thinking let's strap a GoPro (laughs) to the shark (laughs) to the mom shark and the dad shark and then sorry let's see what happens and then we would know more about about shark reproduction but i'm assuming that that has already been tried or that <laughs> it is not possible so i would love to talk to someone that could explain a why. little bit more about this also yeah i mean again we need someone who can actually explain what the hell's going on but the fact that sharks are like they are maturing in an egg but then the shark doesn't actually lay an egg they're still born like a live birth yeah, so they're like yeah, yeah. in an yeah. egg and then they hatch inside the body and then they're born but then there's also sharks that actually lay eggs some sharks that, have those eggs, are like yeah. the crazy black the screwdriver things. ones yeah exactly exactly damn just like a lot of crazy things happening in the shark world good things we have a bunch more shark people coming on in the future a lot more shark content coming your way listeners um, <laughs> yay well and that's about that's about our week one thing we're so excited to tell you about maybe you've already seen um a little bit of a kind of random video just cruising around on our instagram with my lovely friend megan in it we want to start this new fun format that's called like the ocean stories mini series um where we just interview people it's kind of like street interviews but also whoever's listening to this and wants to send in an ocean story please do do so because we kind of want to highlight how people everywhere in the world even though if they're landlocked everyone has like an ocean story and a lot of the time it's like a fun one and actually like i would i don't want to say it changed their lives but i feel like the ocean just has like a big impact on a lot of people and there's like i don't know you know what i mean lydia jump in here i know what you mean i know what you mean i mean i think that was beautifully said we want to talk to more people and showcase their ocean stories, no matter what their background, because there are a lot of ocean stories and some of them are shorter than an hour long. Exactly. <laughs> so. Exactly. So if you have a crazy ocean story, just record yourself and send them over, honestly. We can't wait to hear everybody's ocean story. And no matter how small or big they are. Yeah, we're so excited. Well, today we have a really exciting podcast episode because it's not a regular podcast episode at all. We actually did a podcast swap. So you can hear one part of this episode on our account and then the other part of the episode on another account. And Lydia will give you further instruction of what's going on here. We got a message from Sustainability in the Sea podcast asking if they would want to do a podcast swap with us. And after we checked them out and saw that they have all these amazing guests that are so aligned with things we like to talk about, ocean topics, ocean businesses, and all of that, we were like, yes, of course. And then we sort of discovered Future Swell and Carissa Cabrera, who is the founder and CEO of Future Swell and also the host of Sustainability in the Sea. She's super cool. She wants to bring ocean conservation to the masses. So she's a content creator. She's a climate activist. She's doing all sorts of things in the conservation space, talking about solutions, climate optimism, like 
basically everything we love to talk about. Talking to her was genuinely a pleasure because she's so inspiring and just has a really positive energy. So like Sarah said, on our episode, you can hear us talking to her about her story. And on her episode of Sustainability in the Sea, you will hear us telling our story. So be sure to listen to both of them if if that interests you, if you so please. But yeah, enjoy this conversation with Carissa about future swell, ocean stuff, and just kind of being a woman in ocean conservation. And definitely make sure to check out her podcast as well. Yes, Sustainability in the Sea. We will put everything in the show notes, of course, like always. Let's bring her on. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Ocean Stories, everybody. We're super excited. Today, we're doing our first podcast swap. So we have Carissa here from the podcast Sustainability in the Sea, from Future Swell and from a bunch of other things that I'm excited for you to explain. Um, We just recorded an interview of us with Carissa. So if you want to listen to that first, go check that out. Well, you can listen to it in any order. I don't know why I said first, but you can listen to whatever one you want. Um, But yeah, we're super excited. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Seriously. (laughs) Yay. Well, we start our podcast with the same question, which is where in the world are you right now? Uh, I am on Hawaii or on Oahu in the kingdom of Hawaii. I live in a little town called Kailua um, on the windward side of Oahu. So I'm in the Pacific Ocean. Wonderful. I love the background. That bird is beautiful. What type of bird is it? Do you know? I don't. We, I want to get into birding. There's like a part of me that is like saving it for later in life, but I've heard that it's really calming. I know nothing about bird species, but I would love to like look at it and be able to tell you like exactly what it is and what it does for our environment. But unfortunately, I just, I just know the noises. <laughs> that would be cool. It'd be crazy if you know which noise is which bird. Well, <laughs> one day, one day. One so, day. How did you end up in Hawaii? Did you grow up there or what was your path and how did yeah. you? Yeah, I ended up here really serendipitously. So I was applying for graduate school. Um, I had just finished my undergrad in Arizona and um, it's really expensive to apply for graduate school. So I didn't like have the means to apply to a bunch of different schools. But I knew someone through a friend that had applied here and was like, hey, you sh- it's like cheap. They have like a later deadline. Like the application fees aren't that high. You should shoot your shot over here. So I did that. But I was ultimately trying to end up in graduate school in California. So that's where like most of my applications were. And then um, I ended up getting in here. And it was appealing because I was there were just a lot of reasons why it made a little bit more sense. And I ended up here, I came out here in 2016. And I've wow. just been here since. Yeah, been here since. <laughs> well, it seems to be a great place. What did you study? What was your undergrad? And um, So then- the school I went to, because I grew up in Arizona, so it was mm-hmm. landlocked. And the school I went to, the University of Arizona, didn't um, have a marine bio major. And so I studied ecology and evolutionary biology. It was just uh, like a tangential bio major, which I'm so happy I did because I feel like I look at the world through the lens of like the whole ecosystem now and the whole um, like timeline through evolution. And then like when I was a junior and like 
the later part of my college career, they added like a marine science minor, which I ended up taking. So I took like a couple ocean classes. Like, honestly, I was trained on like so much other stuff outside of the ocean originally at the beginning of my like education career. Did you always know you wanted to do marine bio when you were doing that major or were you persuaded? No, that was totally it. Like I that, I was in high school and I was like, I'm trying to be a marine biologist. And then they were like, okay, well, your scholarship's only in state, so you need to stay in state. And then I met with an advisor and they were like, we don't have a marine bio major, but that's okay. Like, I guess a lot of people do this, which now that I'm older, I know that that's the case. But I think at the time I was disappointed. And the advisor was like, just choose like any of these bio majors that like most interest you and we'll like implement um like you'll take some ocean classes later on and and I knew at that time too that I was gonna get my master's and so that's how I was like okay I'll just specialize later is kind of what I did and I just like ripped off the the school band-aid I didn't Mm -hmm. want any gaps I just wanted to like keep going until I was done and that's how I ended up in Hawaii yay so how did you fall in love with the ocean or how did you because you just said you were in high school and you already knew that you really wanted to study marine bio um, yeah, and you grew up landlocked. So, what was the path? How did you fall That's, in love with the ocean? I know. I feel like so many landlocked young people who love the ocean have a similar story, but it was just like a handful of ocean experiences when I was young, usually characterized by vacations, and like my parents like letting me snorkel when I was really young and see the ocean um, through that like kind of more adventurous experience when I was young and then always stayed special. And I was always like begging my dad, like, can we go to, cause in Arizona, it would be like either Mexico or San Diego. And so I'd be like, can we go to one of these and just spend a weekend with the beach? And it was always only like once a year. It was something I like look forward to. And um, yeah, I also, because of like my era too, like I grew up going a lot to um, like, like SeaWorld. I was in, I went to SeaWorld when I was younger and I remember feeling like that's when I um, like had ever seen whales up close. And now I work to protect whales and extremely, I, I align with anti-captivity, but at the time I feel like those experiences sparked curiosity for me to just get out into the wild ocean more. And I'd, I think it was totally, it had to be my dad, my dad bringing me to the ocean when I was a kid. <laughs> that's sweet. And that's lovely. You're actually not the only person who SeaWorld has inspired them to so to many of do us. conservation stuff that we've talked to. I know. It's a super interesting pathway that people our age seem to to have had. When you were Did talking you about that? what you studied, well, I don't know. Did you go <laughs> growing up? I, I never really <laughs> went because... Are there SeaWorld? I don't even know if there's a SeaWorld park in Germany. I went to the one, like, we had a lot of zoos with dolphins, and it was definitely mm-hmm. the best thing ever. And it was always my dream to be on the stage and get a kiss from a dolphin. So that was definitely um, a big factor. And, yeah, probably that's also why I love dolphins. I mean, everyone loves dolphins. But, yeah, when I saw them in the wild for the first time, I lost my absolute shit. It was crazy. Um, yes. Did you go, Lydia? I've never asked you this. Oh, you have well, this other I'm from part, Virginia. Right? Yeah, I'm from Virginia, and we have the Baltimore Aquarium. Well, it's in Maryland, obviously, but it's close to where I live. And they have, I don't know if they have it anymore, but they used to have a super famous dolphin show that made everyone want to be a dolphin trainer. I did go to SeaWorld in Florida, and I saw the Orca show, but I think I was nine or 10, so I don't remember it. I just remember that we were obsessed. That's all yeah. I really remember. 
to be honest. But, and then that documentary and then blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I think when you're a kid too, you just, you're not looking at it through the lens. Like when you know more, I, I really fundamentally be, believe that like if you know better, try to do better. So we just didn't know at the time. But understanding like what the specifically the California-based SeaWorlds like have done to wild populations for the captivity industry, I was just like, I was done after that. But I do think that part of teaching the next generation about like feeling that connection that we all got is part of like podcasts and video and content and films. And so there's just like a next wave of whatever SeaWorld's going to be or like rehab centers instead of um, seaquariums and captive captive mm-hmm. dolphins for entertainment, you know? Yeah, totally. totally. Such an interesting area of expanding study, like new ideas, AI, sustainable tourism, yeah. like ways we can connect people with the, with the animals without, you know, capturing them and destroying their populations. Yeah. Anyways, when you were talking about what you studied, <laughs> it's, it's crazy to talk about. When you were talking about what you studied, it reminded me of how when you first start studying, you have all these ideas, or at least I did, of what I was going to be doing. I thought, you know, oh, I could be in this job. I could be in that job. Now it seems like you have a really cool multi-path. You're doing all these sorts of things. How did you get from wanting to be a marine biologist or I'm not sure what what you wanted to be to what you're doing now? Like, did you imagine that for yourself? Yeah. Oh, that's such a good question. So my like thing I wanted to do was to save wild animals and to rescue wild animals. And um, I got an animal rescue job really soon after graduating i think it was like a year after i got my master's and i was brought oh, in so you run- achieved the dream that you want that you had the idea of the dream and then you get oh, in the job okay, okay. and you're like oh this was not at all what it was advertised to me as when i was growing up there's all these other parts of it that didn't because um being a technician at like a rehab center or like a, it's it's something you can do early in your career like if you want to be like the, the the vet running everything yeah you have to go on to vet school and things like that but you can even like volunteer like people listening to this now can go volunteer and do that and get trained and so I got into that organization and I was like this is amazing for a while and it for a while it was and then as I got older I was in like my um, early and mid 20s with that organization I just realized like other values that are really important to me personally. Like I really need freedom. I really need like flexibility. And I and I saw what was going on um, outside of the organization. Like there's a limiting, um, there's limiting funding and resources for these organizations, even though they're incredible. And like content is such a good way to fundraise for organizations, and people are spending time online. And um, I also, if you work in animal rescue, this is like. This is something I wish someone had just told me. You don't have any days off, really, unless you're in like a really solid organization. Like I was working like Christmases and um, like all of these things that prevented me from spending time with my family during those years I was with the organization. And that was like the determining factor of why I was like, I need to go like chart my own path because this is a huge um, value of mine to have Mm -hmm. flexibility and to be able to work remotely. And I looked ahead and I was like, I need to invest in skills that are remote, like copywriting, like grant writing, like um, things that I can do from anywhere and I can still serve these organizations. And so I kind of like made a plan and started going that way. Um, Yeah, but Animal Rescue was for sure my 
dream job. And then um, I think this happens a lot with marine biologists. You graduate and you realize like what options are available and how sustainable they are for you. And um, it ends up like causing you to have to diversify or pivot. That's so interesting. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people kind of have this path of you have an idea, then you work in it, you're like, "Mm, maybe that's not it. But I like how you just said that you just tried to gather more skills. So you're still able to work in that field and uh, maybe do something different. Can you explain a little bit about all the projects that you are working on right now? And also kind of the skills that you gathered and how you gathered them? Because I think that's really interesting for people that want to do something similar but don't really know where to start it can be so overwhelming yeah I think I'm just a type of person who like also just takes a lot of agency and initiative over like what my life is going to be like and so I knew like okay I can't be leaving this organization in the next three months but I can like make start making a plan and working towards an exit route and so um grant writing was was the main skill that I was like I'm going to learn um because it's something that I love writing. I've always loved writing. And I always felt like I was good at it or had like received that um, from mentors. And it's something that every organization needs. They always need a grant writer. And it doesn't, and if I'm like 60 years old and like retired and want to like help a small dog rescue, like I can write grants for the small dog rescue too. So like, it just felt like a really transferable skill. And, um, And so I quit. And I was like, I don't know how this is going to pan out. I quit during COVID, which was, I was, every single person in my life told me not to do that. And um, I, at the same time, was watching content um, skyrocket on TikTok and watching social media content creators, like, diversify into sustainability and environmentalism. And, like, all of this was happening concurrently. And I was going to nonprofits that I knew in my network and being like, have you guys thought about like storytelling in media or short form content? And at the time, nobody was. Nobody knew what I was talking about. Um, because I don't know if you guys remember at the beginning of the whole TikTok era, people like weren't really on it. Or I don't know, I'm I'm a little older than you guys, but people my age were like not on it. They were like, mm-hmm. oh no, I don't that's a dancing app for teenagers. Yeah. And so I was trying to con- convey the potential of it to people and they weren't receiving it. And so I was like, okay, well. Um, can I just like write some grants for you under contract? And that's what I've been doing since. So like half of my work with Future Swell, which is um, my consulting and media company, is working with nonprofits and building programs for them and writing grants for them, like um, outside, like not not represented online at all. And then half of it is working with clients online and creating video content and media for them through like amplification or um, video production or things like that. And then we have like internal projects like our podcasts that are just self-produced and um, are really like a resource and value to our community. So um, we work with nonprofits. So I still took all those skills that I'd had before I started Future Swell and I'm using them. And then I have all these other emerging skills based in media that I hope to ultimately be doing, I think, full time. That's so cool. How big is your team by now? Um, so we the biggest we've ever been was seven people. Um, but now we're at four. So it's I'm the only full time person though. Mm-hmm. So I'm full time and my partner is part time. We founded it together. He um, has a full time marine bio job. And then we have two part time um, folks, a marketing manager and then like a content producer who have been with us like forever. They've been with us for like three and a half years now. And they based off like we're really flexible i run this organization very in a very 
freedom-based way. And so like everything's done remotely and um, based off like our seasons of life, like we'll scale up or scale work down for everyone. And I think that flexibility like is one of the reasons why we retain employees for long periods of time. Wow, that sounds great. That is so inspiring. Sign I love up. that. <laughs> I'm just and like, I saw that's you just what I a... wanted. <laughs> yeah, like true. I, I wanted I wanted a boss to be like, I trust you to do your work on your own time. And if you don't do it, then we'll have a conversation, but I'm going to trust you first. And so I was like, that's, the, that's how I'm trying to run it. Like, I don't want to be handholding or micromanaging, you know? That's amazing. Totally. I saw you just did a collab or a partnership with covering... I just saw that you did some news coverage of COP28, which I found super cool. How did that? Oh, that was that, that was, was amazing. Crazy. That was yeah. like the craziest partnership I think we've ever had ever. I'm not. I wasn't even there. I wasn't even in COP. So um, we developed a partnership with a friend of mine, Bodhi. Like we've been friends forever, but he started get. I was at a conference with him like maybe earlier this year, last year, and. Um, I just talked to him about the way that content is going and the, the need for ocean climate content. And immediately after that conversation, he was like, all right, I'm going full swing in it. Let's do it. And so throughout the year, we've both been working really closely together on um, storytelling initiatives in the direction we want to go. And, you know, I think that a huge lesson in some of this stuff is some people will be like, whoa, how did that happen? And like, it happens the way all amazing stuff happens. Like someone advocated for you um, on the back end, like your network and friends speak up for you in like rooms where there's opportunities and like um, you invite other people in on the work that you're doing and the solutions that you're building and like you ask for help. And like none of, if any of those things didn't happen, that partnership wouldn't have occurred. So we have a, a colleague who was has been working with the government to talk a lot more about the value of content for climate solutions. And then they were looking for someone on the ground at COP. Bodhi was the one on the ground and Bodhi needed support with with all of with running a campaign because he's relatively new to content. And so all of these perfect things came together to have us interview Noah. And then because of all the crazy ocean announcements that happened at COP, someone else in the government was like oh can you interview us too and then that turned into a separate interview series with the white house which was just like what this t tells me is not like what it tells me is that this niche that we work in and that we're all trying to build is growing exponentially and that there's infinite opportunities and potential roles and jobs in ocean climate conservation sustainability storytelling like and that it's only ever going to be more important and I think that's so exciting like when they agreed to that partnership I was like our lives are going to change not because of this partnership but because of what this means for the next 10 years of our work um and so like my message to people listening is just like if you've ever been like a creative person or a storyteller by and you're passionate about that like now's the time to like dive in like 100 percent well that is you couldn't have said it's, cr it's crazy yeah it's crazy. Like, what are we? We're just, we're just kids who know how to video edit. Sometimes I feel that way, you know. Mm -hmm. Like, we're just like doing our best, and it feels like finally these large institutional agencies and organizations are seeing so much value in that. When like three years ago, I was like literally just like laughed at constantly. So, it's just oh keep my going. gosh, 
I love what you just said. I'm smiling like an old grandma because it touches my heart because it's so true. Do you know how many people have laughed at my degree and just laughed at my face when I tell them I'm interested in working in sustainability? And it's like, just you wait. Like I'm an old person, like just you wait. Because I don't know, it's going to become important one way or another. So it is really inspiring and admirable. That story is awesome. But Thanks one for of sharing my, like- it. Thank you for asking what but like one of my 2024 goals is just knowing that like we have like so much intuition about like what's best for us. And like, I mentioned it, but like everyone told me not to quit my job. They're like, it's too risky. You need to be focusing on this with COVID or like whatever I but I knew what was right for me. And so sometimes it's really difficult to let go of people's perceptions or what you think other people might think. And it's like such a journey, especially for young women, but it's never like overcoming it I think allows us to like step into what we're supposed to be doing that is such oh I love that you just said that because I feel like especially (laughs) in your 20s and I'm I feel like I can speak for Lydia and me too it's like it's so daunting and it's always like oh I feel like we're mean exactly and you (laughs) have this like bigger plan but obviously you also need to financially secure your life and there's just so much it's just sometimes hard to stay on the path and you're like okay maybe mm-hmm. honestly maybe I'm just gonna get a marketing job and get my normal salary and just gonna hop off the sinking ship kind of but no it's not yeah and you just gotta trust the process and I feel like yeah. it'll unfold and for sure mm-hmm. you are not holding your mic but if you were holding it why is this so cheesy right if you were holding right it here. you would have gotten some mic drops <laughs> Sorry, I just thought of that and I just, it was like an intrusive thought that I had to say. That was beautifully said. I want to know more of your thoughts on things. First of all, I want to know what animals were you rescuing? Oh, um, Hawaii is like, Hawaii is the extinction capital of the world, guys. People didn't know that, that it's most islands are because the species that live on islands like evolved there. So, Anyway, most islands suffer a lot from extinctions. We have a lot of endangered species here. We, But I was working with the endangered Hawaiian monk seal, which only exists here. And their population is actually recovering. It's at like oh. 1,500. So good news, guys. And then um, sea turtles. So we have a handful of species here, but mostly green sea turtles. And then the endangered hawksbill sea turtle. And then seabirds. So we have like the Laysan albatross who are so beautiful and mate for life and are like giant and have like 15 feet wingspans. And then um, some like other seabirds, like um, the shearwater and things like that. So uh, seabirds, sea turtles and seals. And then I was also working in dolphin and whale response for a while, but it wasn't, that was like my graduate work and it wasn't turning into a full-time job. So I switched over to other species, but the goal was ultimately dolphin and whales from when I was a student probably because of SeaWorld, if we're being honest. (laughs) I was just curious. I was like, what animal, what animal rescue? Because it could be so many things over there in Hawaii, such beautiful biodiversity. It's a shame the extinction thing. We got to figure that out. Yeah, but there's lots of amazing people doing the work. So, Um, and now I work in coral restoration. So I pivoted over there a couple years ago. That's cool. I love coral restoration. That's <laughs> so random. <laughs> I'm like so interested. I, it's like growing a lot and a lot of funding's going to it. So there's like a huge need for coral restoration, like technicians and storytellers. So I'm going to manifest that for you, Sarah, for you to oh, thank cover you. those stories one day. 
Oh, that's beautiful. I'm manifesting with you. <laughs> Lydia, what else? You said you have a lot of... I see the thoughts well, in Lydia's face. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so Lydia's, so Lydia's thinking. <laughs> I'm like trying to decide on just one. It sounds like you've pivoted quite a few times, but all within the ocean realm. What mm -hmm. really resonated with me about what you've said is finding a lifestyle that works for you and a skill that a skill set that works for you and works in your heart and your mind, your like whatever you're best at, but also contributing those skills to a cause and also just adapting over time, like finding what's most important to you and learning and changing. Now knowing all these things, having these different career pivots, what do you wish you knew in the past? Like what do you, what do you wish you knew when you first started out? Oh my gosh. Okay. I wish I knew that like literally no, no, don't act like someone else is going to advocate for you in your role. Like you need to advocate for, especially as women. Gosh, we're just like sometimes taught to make ourselves so small. And like you need to be like advocating for your pay. You have to be advocating for your time off. You should be advocating for your like, like the responsibilities you want to be working in. So I've, I come from like really small organizations, like 15 people or less. But what that means, it means you're doing everything, but it also means that there's a lot of opportunities for you to be like, hey, I was hired for like, you know, education, but I'd like to like go learn a little bit more about grant writing. And so I was, I wish I'd learned that like you really need to kind of communicate with your peers and your supervisors, like what you ultimately want to do and what your goal is, because a good supervisor will get you a little bit closer to that goal. So I try to always like think about the bigger picture of it. Um, I didn't anticipate ever working in coral restoration. That pivot was um, kind of an unnatural one. But what happened is, is I met an organization that embodied all of my values um, as a worker it, within conservation, within climate, like they are like the one of the only organizations like using um, Native Hawaiian indigenous knowledge to inform coral restoration. And that stuff outweighed the fact that I was going to leave, you know, protected species and switch over to coral. And so it was about being open minded and not like saying no, just because the way something looks on paper and like just giving things mm -hmm. a try. Um, and then lastly, it would just be like that it's not like we're not like here to play it small. Like if you want to go do something, you should give yourself like a hundred. You should just you owe it to yourself to try it a hundred percent, at least for a little bit. And that was really hard for me with content and media because I knew nothing about it. And but then I was like, all right, I'm just going to send it for a year and see what happens. And. Like, if I didn't do that, I don't even think I would be in this conversation right now, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. That, yeah, that's what I would say. Now that you are <laughs> where you are now, you have a podcast, Sustainability in the Sea, Future Swells Going On. What do you see in the crystal ball of 2024? I just want to... So we started covering st stories, like organization stories, right? Um, like maybe three, six months ago and um, a lot of different kinds. And part of that is like we bring people on the podcast, we learn about their work. And then maybe if we're in their area, like we'll go um, cover what they're doing. And we just got back from Indonesia and we're still processing a lot of those stories, but um, we got a couple out. And so I just want to focus more on that. Like I want to focus more on like recognizing that I'm not an expert and that I don't really know. I think a lot of people think that marine biologists know everything about the ocean. And mm -hmm. instead, we know everything about like one to two single things in the ocean. And so like 
being able to create like almost like an incubator for other ocean climate conversations with a with the platform that future swell has and that Chris and climate has because ultimately we just need people to learn about this stuff and so my even though that's like a big idea the ultimate pathway to getting there is we have to like grow all of our platforms like significantly which is so hard as you guys know Mm -hmm. and so that's my goal for 2024 is to try to make the platforms as big as possible try to get on youtube was one of them so that when we go to an organization and we go, hey, your 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 solution needs to be shared, we have the way to share it. We can come with that and help them because at the end of the day, like people aren't watching the news. People aren't watching like it, it's going to be content and we need more people um, off having the platform to offer them. And I rarely see like something at the intersection of everything that we do. So I think those are my 2024 goals. I'm also getting married this year. So just to chill while I'm getting married <laughs> and like not overwork is like another goal. And then um, my third goal is to um, like enjoy here. I feel like I've been working really hard on Future Swell and I sometimes don't always enjoy like my freedom and flexible schedule. And so mm-hmm. to enjoy Hawaii and being outside at during the day a lot more. That sounds beautiful. And I like how you, <laughs> how you, just not only talked about future swell, but also about your private and personal life. It's great that you need to yeah. take time, and part of your goals should definitely also be enjoying life and not only working. Even yes, that's great. Congrats exactly. on your impending impending marriage. That's super yes. exciting. Thanks, guys. Impending <laughs> that's marriage. Our... There it is. <laughs> Sorry, twenty twenty four. Is that a weird way to say it? Oops. Yeah, it's true. Super exciting. It's true. Yeah. Um, I know I'm excited. It's going to be fun. So um, I definitely feel like there's only excitement when I think about like the first couple of years of starting an initiative are like the hardest ones. And then now it's it feels like things become a little bit easier. That's great. Well, you've definitely given us some hope. We're feeling fired up. <laughs> and I just really like the eloquent way that you phrased a lot of the things we've been feeling and talking about in the ocean world. So thanks for coming on and chatting. Now it's time for our final last question. Sarah, do you want to ask it? I'm scared. (laughs) No, it's it's easier than yours. Yeah, (laughs) way easier than yours. Um, What is your favorite ocean story or your favorite ocean moment? If you had to pick one. It can be like an animal encounter or something personal. All right. So, okay, we were kayaking. Okay, I'm just going to preface this by saying like, I am not encouraging anyone to put themselves in dangerous ocean situations, okay? So mm-hmm. I am like – I was like young. I was really young. My brain wasn't fully developed. I think it was like 23. And me and my partner, we were like recently dating. And we are like offshore kayaking, okay? Not – we shouldn't be doing that. Let's just <laughs> – we're just going to – we're offshore kayaking, okay? And we're with his friend and his friend's partner. And they have their golden retriever on their kayak. So there's four of us and a golden retriever offshore like a mile offshore and we're like enjoying it we were trying to get our goal was to get more comfortable in blue water because it's terrifying and so Mm -hmm. the goal was to just like sit in the water like try to calm ourselves and get back on the kayak when you feel scared right and there is a giant whale and because it's we get humpback whales in the season in the winter here um in Mm -hmm. hawaii they migrate down here and there's a giant whale and you don't realize how terrifying 
it is to be next to a whale until you're next to a whale. I've been on whale watching tours, but you're in a boat and it's different. And this was the first time anything like that had ever happened to me. And I started like hyperventilating and panicking. And my poor friend's partner, who is like not comfortable in the ocean, also starts freaking out. And thank goodness, like we were just like, we didn't know what to do was just stay still. Like don't let the kayaks like just like come together as one kayak. And this whale like literally wouldn't leave. Like it wouldn't go away. And so it felt like so much longer, but it was like about maybe like 10 minutes and then it left and we were like, okay, get back to shore. And I think that that, I love that story because it, it perfectly encompasses kind of what the ocean makes people feel, which is like, you feel tiny. You sometimes feel scared of how tiny you feel, but it's also like so beautiful and amazing. And like, this is like my favorite species ever. And I could have enjoyed it, but in, instead I was just so like overwhelmed with how huge everything is around me. And I think that I, we all, whenever I'm with those people, we always talk about that story and how the golden retriever was just chilling and was like, <laughs> that, that's another, that's another living thing and I'm okay with it. And, um, yeah, that's my favorite one. And I don't, I don't do any of that. We never did that again. We never took the kayaks offshore again. I've just been a little nervous since. I love how you were trying to calm out in the, in the big blue and then that happened to you. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, this is exactly what I didn't anticipate happening while I was overcoming this fear. And then it did it. Yeah. But now I just like seeing whales from boats and cliff sides and with binoculars and stuff, but they're just so much bigger than you think. And you just, yeah. So. Yeah. I that's crazy. I, I would. I can, <laughs> I can imagine because it all, it always feels like, okay, whales are so peaceful. Um, must be chill, but I don't think, yeah, just like you said, it's hard to conceptualize how big this animal in front of you is until you actually see it. And then obviously, I don't know, their fins and everything is so big, it can still hurt you just by moving around. It's like so much weight and wow. Yeah, yeah that's that, crazy. But I hope that, you know, in a couple of years, if we ever do a podcast swap again, I hope I will have like a different story for you because I, I hope that that's not like the only one that comes to mind. I hope like the best, my best ocean stories are ahead of me, you know? I hope so too. I'm sure we, we mm. will check in again in a couple of years. See, <laughs> thanks for having some... me on, guys. Well, thank you for joining us. That was wonderful. And definitely check out the other reverse episode when you're listening to this. We will make sure that it's launching at the same time. And yeah, thank you. You said so many beautiful things and um, actually really encouraged us, I guess, at least me personally, to um, conquer 2024 and work on all these amazing things. Yeah, the best is yet to come. We're good. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Ocean Stories. If you'd like to follow along on Instagram, you can find us at oceanstories underscore podcast for updates and behind the scenes. We'll also be sharing our ocean adventures on YouTube at Ocean Stories Podcast. If you like this episode, please show your support by leaving a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Join us next Tuesday for more Ocean Stories.